Welcome to the Mom and Me Astrology Podcast. We are a mother-daughter duo specializing in astrology and feng shui. Join us weekly to learn astrology and feng shui, and of course, to hear stories from our hands-on experience in the industry. You won't want to miss this. Welcome back to another episode of the Mom and Me Astrology Podcast. My name is Kate Wind, and joining me is my mom, Mary Swick. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Uh, today we are talking about Pluto retrograde. Mm-hmm. We um, mentioned it last week. We've we did. Just, we, we did. Yes, we did. And Pluto retrogrades every year, and has a tendency to spend about half of the year in retrograde status. Mm-hmm. However, this retrograde seems to be hitting people a little bit harder. I think just because it is retrograding between, like, over two signs. We saw it initially enter Aquarius here in March. Um, That was the first time since 1777, right? Mm -hmm. And now as we're speaking, Pluto is retrograding, heading back to Capricorn. And I'd like to think of retrograde as looking like, like, you know, you have plans, like the plan is this, and then you go home and you think about it and you say, hmm, is that a good plan? Maybe we should do this instead. Maybe we should do that. So it's kind of like that okay, we have a plan, but now we're second guessing our plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it gets muddled, right? Yeah. And you hear a lot of crazy ideas. Well, I think we should do this. I think we should do that. <laughs> right. Pluto will retrograde through October 10th. So we have some time with it, but I do hear a lot of people around me and obviously clients as well, really feeling like the pressure right now to be making some sort of change. It probably doesn't help that we're in the midst of eclipse season or probably by the time they're hearing this eclipse season is over for now, but there was a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should make it clear. We are recording here on Friday, Mm -hmm. you know, for our Monday forecast. So we have, we have, we actually, there's a number of things going on. The big thing, the coronation is going on this weekend as well. So we we're assuming that all happens around the eclipse, just as we had talked that those events generally do. Right. But um, uh, yeah, the retrograde is, I, I hear what you're saying though, about people are kind of conflicted. Like they feel like they should be making a big move right? or doing something to insulate themselves or protect themselves more. So to under, better understand the retrograde, I think we need to just kind of recap what Aquarius is, yeah. what Pluto is, and how what 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 happens when they're together. Okay. Okay. So Aquarius rules the way that we think, mm-hmm. right? And Pluto has a tendency to get beneath the surface. So with Pluto's entrance into Aquarius, it's almost like no topic is off the table. No matter how outlandish, how bizarre, Aquarius and Pluto together are like, okay, let's talk about it. Yeah, I think when you put Pluto and Aquarius together, it kind of spells revolution. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I like the way we've kind of penned uh, Aquarius or Uranus as the disruptor. So with Pluto moving into that disruptive sign of Aquarius, yeah, we're going to have some very interesting, entertaining, and entertaining, I'm kind of being tongue-in-cheek here, they can be shocking, they can be offensive, different ways of thinking, right? and we, we see it already 
in the headlines of how, how states are carving out their own territory, their own opinion about a, a topic. Right. I think particularly interesting is, and I don't know if anyone else is amazed by this, or, um, well, let me put it this way. If beginning astrologers, if you said, well, where would you look for if you're talking about sex in a chart? You would, all of us would say, oh, it's Scorpio, it's, you know, it's Pluto, but you wouldn't necessarily think of Aquarius. And I just know Aquarius embodies a lot of the elements related to uh, the tone the society takes towards sex, uh, how it defines sex, how it defies, defines gender roles. So this Pluto in Aquarius seems to be bringing out a lot of conversation in that area, in that arena. Well, about- Aquarius is doing things differently. So when you're talking about um, transgender or you're talking about gay or you're talking about any sort of medical intervention when it comes to reproduction, that would all fall into Aquarius. And those things seem to be sweeping the headlines about abortion topics, trans topics, what are the rules, what are the laws, who supports it, who doesn't. And that, you know, we're going to see more of that as Pluto continues in Aquarius. And yeah, I mean, we're just in, we, we put our toe in, Pluto hit zero degrees and now is going retrograde. So that was, now it's like we've all been sent home. Okay, Pluto entered in to Aquarius, these topics all come flaring up. Now we're all kind of having to sit with it and go, wow, you know, some people are going, do I need to move out of state? Do I need to get out of this state into another state to protect myself? Or do I need to go out and protest? Yeah. Something that's not in our notes that I know we've we just said that we were going to talk about mm-hmm. is, okay, so we're talking today about Pluto in Aquarius. Mm-hmm. However, here in the next couple weeks, we will see Pluto get back into Capricorn. Yes. And it will retrograde back to 27 degrees of Capricorn, mm-hmm. which those are the final degrees of Capricorn. So we always say that, you know, there's some sort of bookend event. Now, mom kind of operates under the idea that we already finished Capricorn. It's yes. entered into Aquarius. Pluto has moved on. It has no interest or need to finish out anything in the Capricorn kind of arena where I'm thinking, I don't know if we've seen the final collapse of Pluto and Capricorn, like the final bookend to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mom and me disagree a little bit. We do. Right? We do. Can I, can I give my side of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of my side is that, um, uh, you know, we have now tasted something new, different, right? Pluto in Aquarius. And so all of a sudden, some of these issues that we were dealing with seem petty now. Mm-hmm. Seem like, oh, that's not much. Okay. You know, I, I so I, I see it that way, that everyone's into this new, this is what's more interesting. This is more, this is more, going to have more of an effect on my life. True. That makes so sense. that's where I kind of lean to that people kind of all of a sudden get usurped with a bigger, a bigger concern. Sure. But I'm very interested in what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of astrologers. You're not out there by yourself on this one at all who yeah. think that, yeah, we have not, that Pluto in Capricorn has not finished up. Yeah. Well, I, I do. I totally, when you put it that way, I totally agree that, yes, yeah, some of these Pluto and Aquarius topics will definitely surpass what we were concerned about with Pluto and Capricorn. Mm-hmm. However, I would just think that if there was any sort of 
you know, collapsing, mm-hmm. if you will. And I say that lightly, I'm not saying like right. everything's going to crap, but, right. um, you know, with the banks, with the markets, with the inflation, with, that I would- with the debt ceiling. I mean, that, that's a whole topic that is very relevant to this month and next month. And yeah, we could see a collapse. We could default the yeah. gov- federal government defaulting. That would definitely be a Pluto in Capricorn energy. Right. And we still have that pretty much, I think, if I just remember off the top of my head, like June through December, if I'm not mistaken, of this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that wasn't in our okay. notes, but I just thought okay. we do need to address that, that we are talking about Pluto and Cap in Aquarius today. However, Pluto still will spend another six months in Capricorn here at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, let's just talk about a news story that's really big right now that falls into the Pluto in Aquarius. I think all women will be fascinated to to to, to discuss this topic. And that May 9th, can you believe this? Uh, on May 9th, that'll be tomorrow, uh, it's going to be the 63rd anniversary of the FDA approving uh, birth control pills to obviously here in the U.S. So that all, you know, that was back in 1960 which we all might think, oh, I don't remember getting my pills in 1960. <laughs> if you, you, you may remember, it took a while, it took a long while, which we'll talk about in a second, but the idea is what's happening tomorrow on May 9th, this year, tomorrow, is an, an advisory committee of the FDA is meeting to debate or to consider uh, giving access to birth control pills you know, over the counter. That really have the first non-prescription birth control pill. Now, just just that alone blows my mind that we're celebrating the 63rd anniversary of it, the FDA approving it, and now on that same day, you know, all these years later, 63 years later, now they're going to discuss maybe the next step about well, could it be over-the-counter access? What's interesting is birth control is still a pretty like taboo topic to talk about. Yeah. Considering it has, right. It's been around for 63 years, like, and it's still something that I think like women kind of conceal or, you know, like it's not something that we just openly talk about. Um, But that goes to our point about like Pluto and Aquarius. It does rule the taboo. It does rule like the medical intervention. And now it's coming back up to the surface where there's, there should be under, you know, kind of mom and I's ideology behind this is that there should be some sort of change with the way right. that birth control is well, kind of bringing it out of the back not that it's in the back room because you can go to your doctor get your prescription go to the pharmacy get it filled i mean there's no really you know terrible thing about that these days but the idea of it just being on the, on the shelf and just being able to pick up a couple packs and walking out you know and running through the register with it yeah the, this whole battle and when you look at it in the bigger picture if we go back to 1960 well okay it was approved but in 1960 not all states would even allow doctors to prescribe and actually it took to 1965 before the u.s supreme court had to get involved and declare and this is so ironic that all married couples had a right to access birth control that was 1965. Now, okay, that left out all the single people. It wasn't until 1972 that the Supreme Court legalized birth control for unmarried people. (laughs) March 22nd, 1972. 
I was in college at that time. And I can tell you, I, yes, I made a, I made a beeline for the student health services at Iowa State to get a prescription. And, you know, again, I laugh about this because it wouldn't go down today. But in those days, the students lined up along this long counter. And there was, whatever the reason, there was no plastic shields, no sense of privacy. You got to the front of the line, and the line is now horizontal with you. So they can kind of look down and see you. And you have to tell them why you're there. And they don't want, you know, they don't want some vague answers. She wants to know specifically, why are you here? What is your symptom? And so you have to announce it to everybody. And certainly the five, six people that are standing there can certainly hear everything that's being said. Well, I, I got to the front and said I wanted to get birth control pills. And the woman looked matronly and pretty much raised her eyebrows like <laughs> in judgment, I will say. And then she made it very clear that the, the gynecologist was only here on Tuesday. So you'll have to come back on a Tuesday to do that. And anyhow, I came back the following Tuesday and got my pills. But mm-hmm. the point was, it was a big darn deal. Yeah. And so that story is still evolving. So here comes Pluto picking it back up here with this idea. Now, gosh, is there an easier way yet? Yeah. Well, you know, and that has to do with a that has a very similar storyline to the other thing that's really big Mm -hmm. uh, right now, which is AI. Yeah. Uh, AI, like chat GBT or like, I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone's talking about talking about it. I've seen people do everything from have it plan your trip. So you could say, Oh, I'm going to be in Costa Rica from this date to this date, plan my trip. And it will give you a list of places to eat, places to go, where to stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's the big rage right now. Mm -hmm. However, upon a little research, mom found out that AI has been around (laughs) since 1952. Yeah. The year I was born. Yeah. This, that was the year that the uh, program was written a checkers, basically the old checkers game, to for a computer to play the checkers game. It was for an old IBM 701, which probably was a room size computer at that point. But the idea was AI started way back in the 50s. Of course, it was showing up in this a little bit more every decade it's shown up. And today, I mean, we all have AI in our home. I mean, my Roomba, is you know powered by some ai type of intelligence uh, as well as our appliances our intelligent watches our intelligent refrigerators so it's funny that we have kind of let it go like oh this is pretty cool this works for us and now pluto and aquarius now all of a sudden there seems to be this kind of backlash which i'm i'm with everyone i'm concerned as well right i assume you are oh absolutely you know that oh my god we need to get congress to manage this to get some laws in place i just read that the uh, vice president uh, kamala harris is now the official ai czar to you know watch over what's happening in that industry yeah i think there's just some even just some confusion like if you have chat gpt uh create something for you like Mm-hmm. Are you the writer of that? I don't even know. I mean, I wouldn't think you are, <laughs> but can you pass that as your own? But yeah, I, there probably needs to be, it could probably get out of control rather quickly. Um, but I would also think with Pluto and Aquarius, this is where it's really going to take off and be way more common even than we've seen it, which that is what's crazy to think about. 
It is. But the, I think the point I, that I want to get across is it's just beginning now. Now, Pluto and Aquarius is going to tackle that type of topic. And we know that's going to go on. That's not going to get resolved this year, next year. This is a long-term topic that is going to be out there in the discussions. Yeah. Well, just as an exercise, you type, you gave uh, yeah. ChatBT a question. I did. I did. I asked, I asked, it, what is, this is going to that chat GPT site. What is significant about Pluto going retrograde in Aquarius on May 1st? Mm -hmm. That was a pretty lengthy, complex question, actually. And of course, it came back immediately with kind of four really short uh, paragraphs. Uh, it was kind of boring, but it was truthful. Yeah, I think the last sentence was probably the most powerful mm -hmm. um, about it's a time to let go of old patterns and ways of being to make room for growth and transformation. Right. You Which know, that really does sum it up. Just the two topics we covered here about um, uh, birth control. You know, could we make it easier? Can we take some of the stigma out of it? Can we make it more accessible? Right. Those are just the questions. Uh, Pluto, when it's in a sign, makes you start questioning. What are we thinking about this? Why did we think that way? Why was it necessary to do it that way at that time? But things have changed. Mm -hmm. The world has changed, so therefore we need to reposition our, our, you know, what is our new position on these topics. Yeah, I think one of the other sentences that was very profound and, and very, very agreeable is that this Pluto in retrograde in Aquarius, that it, we're going to see technological advancements, innovations during this time that will transform how we how our society runs. And again, because it's Aquarius, it's going to be basically, you know, what's our morals or mores or how do we, how do, what is the process one has to go through uh, for anything to be a, to be a judge, you know, to access birth control, to uh, do I have to have this baby or not? You know, these are all decisions that are, that are going to be hot topics. Absolutely. So before we get into all 12 of the signs and how they will experience this retrograde, we will hear just from a quick ad. Okay, welcome back. So now we're going to go through all 12 of the signs and talk about where Pluto is retrograding from a solar standpoint. Um, again, if you know your chart, you know where 29 degrees of Capricorn, zero degrees of Aquarius falls, you can get some more information there. However, don't dismiss the solar astrology, even though mom and I both know our charts very well, we still look to the solar um, interpretations as well to get more insight about what's going on in our lives. You, you won't be disappointed. Do, solar astrology will not disappoint you. It will only give you more information. It's, it's great. It's great. And I'd like to look at this, what we're going to talk about each of the signs with this idea of what are you questioning? What are you questioning in your own life? What's the category? So if we started with Taurus or Taurus rising, this would be happening in the, in the 10th solar, 10th house. And generally, uh, I would think Tauruses would be coming up against with power struggles or lessons about power, meaning is someone over-influencing me? Mm -hmm. Am I compromising greatly to align with them? Um, you know, we can water this down on a very social level. 
you know, uh, sometimes, I mean, I had experience with this transiting uh, Pluto going up in my 10th house back in the 90s. And, you know, we joined uh, this St. Biders uh, Parish School. And, you know, there were standards, unspoken rules, unspoken ways of presenting yourself when you're in that particular social club, so to speak. And it was difficult sometimes to be who you you were because there was so much sense of judgment and a very competitive environment, I might say. But that was a, my example. I can reach back in my history. And I would think that Tauruses would be experiencing this, that learning to how to stand up for yourself, number one. But it's a long journey, right? Because it's that 10th house as well, I would think they're reconsidering their public reputation. Yeah. You know, so they could have stepped out to do something else. And now they're thinking, do I want to get back into that? So yes. they could they could be reconsidering how do I want people to see me or how powerful is my title? How do other people view me in that public sector? Definitely reinventing, reinventing their 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 profession, yeah. reinventing the company they're with. Yeah. Um, for Scorpios, so we're gonna kind of do the the opposite sign instead of going mm -hmm. in order, um, they might be reconsidering their home, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how they're using their home. Are they comfortable with the people in their home? A lot of Scorpios that I talk to right now say yeah. they, they do feel disconnected from the home. Mm -hmm. And that can be um, because maybe they're doing a lot of renovations. And so they just feel like, yeah, I haven't had the natural comforts of the home. I've had some clients that have just been not on good terms with their spouse under this energy. Uh, I know we have a Scorpio live right here that we could just ask, but... <laughs> Well, you know, we've just had construction issues in complex complexities, and actually we're having the back door replaced uh, this Saturday. So we're going from one to the next to, you know, a couple more things that are coming down the pike as well. So there is a, it creates tension in the home when these projects are going on because they're expensive and because you're inviting someone to come into your home that could be disruptive. Yeah. For uh, Gemini's or Gemini rising, this is lighting up that ninth house. So mm -hmm. I do think that they're kind of maybe debating about like professional pressures. What is my role here? Am I willing to do that? Um, I would think that they could be like needing to respond to like new rules that are coming down upon them and wondering, do I measure up to these new standards? Do I still fit in here? Oh yeah, a steep learning curve, very steep. If someone was in a an apprenticeship or a training type program, there could be a lot of pressure being placed on them to quickly, you know, move on up, to quickly grasp ideas, step up to the next level. So um, this is a little bit of a going back to school energy. You don't have to sit in a classroom though. You can get it just by hands-on experiences. Really strong energy, I might add, though, really good maybe getting involved in charitable organizations, organizations that provide money to, you know, I don't want to say, I'll just say the poor, whoever needs it, who's in need of, or scholarship funds, things like that. So there could be a great uh, more focus on those social, uh, what do you call that? The social hammock, the safety net, social safety net type of programs, maybe getting very involved with those. I would think the last thing I'll say about Gemini or Gemini rising is they could be reconsidering their belief systems. 
And again, oh. those could be things, it could be religion. It could be things yeah. that, oh, they're going back and saying, why did I believe that? Or, you know, I was told that for so many years. Now they might be going against that type of thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For Sagittarius or Sagittarius rising, this is highlighting that third house. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when I went through that, I'm just finishing up Scorpio. I just did ha- just finishing up that energy. You know, I redid all my forms, all the formatting. I re-edited, uh, came up with a whole new kind of a, a package presentation. So not everyone does what I do, of course, but this oftentimes is where you shake up your sense of schedule, the, the way you do things, uh, what you do first, what you do second, what you do third. So this is oftentimes where you're having to be very adaptive. You're kind of robbed of the routine. Uh, many times in an office setting, it might be because, oh, I'm coming for this person today and tomorrow they're going to be out. I'm going to cover for them and I'm having to learn their job. So we'll all be able to, you know, pinch hit in on any occasion. Yeah, you you could have a child that's just gotten into a bunch of new sports or after school curriculum. And so you might just feel like, oh my gosh, my entire schedule's just been disrupted by the needs of someone else. Right. Um, also could be stress with siblings, could be some concern about siblings and uh, underpinning probably some issues on financials that need to be cleaned up as well. Yeah. For cancers or cancer rising, this is highlighting the eighth house. And so there should be a lot of focus, or you might be reconsidering what makes me secure. Mm. Uh, So I have a cancer client who her goal here just the last six months is any extra money that she's made, tips, bonuses, it's all going to pay down her house. And again, that's very simplistic, but that's been a huge goal is like, how much can I pay off on my house this year? And her reasoning is that once I have the house paid off, then Mm. I'm in a better position because if something happens at least I have a place to live. Boy, that's a smart thinker. Yeah. And again, it's a very simple, I mean, obviously that takes a lot of dedication, but it's a very Mm -hmm. simple example where maybe no one else would see that unless you've spoken to her, but it's how she's creating more security in her life. Oh, deeply fulfilling. The more security you can get. Wow. It's a great feeling. Great feeling. Yeah, uh, this could also lend itself, though, to renovation projects. Again, we're bringing that up because uh, that eighth house is all about kind of upheaval, cleansing, detoxing, making it renewed, reinvigorating a space. So there could be a lot of energy lifting going on, so to speak. Uh, One thing I will say, these are very uh, impactful changes that cancer are going through. Their lifestyle, there's no going back. So we can be addressing, you know, the complexities about finances, but it's a great time to be creating, creating income. Yeah. And even with eighth house, they could be getting kind of, they could be reconsidering like their health from like the physical body, even the mental standpoint. And they mm-hmm. could be saying like, I'm willing to get more vulnerable in right. aspects. Well, well, Pluto going into that eighth is romance. I mean, it is, you know, it is a sexual uh, chemistry, so to speak. Yeah. Next, let's talk about Capricorn. Um, Capricorns are Capricorn rising. This is happening in the second house. And so same as we talked about with cancers, Capricorns, there should be a reconsideration of income. What do I value? How do I make my money? Where is my money going? What gives me security? 
You know, I always say there's two things that give people security, love or money. Uh, sometimes, of course, a little of both is perfect, the perfect yeah. equation, but uh, either one of them gives you someplace soft to fall at the end of the day, you know. <laughs> and uh, so this oftentimes it redefines love. Am I in love? You know, uh, obviously being more on an urgent path to find love, to define, you know, what that means in my life and what trade-off will I make in lieu of that? Yeah. For Leos or Leo rising, uh, this is happening at that solar seventh house. So you might be reconsidering your love life. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing how many Leos just in my personal circle have fallen in love here in the last uh, six months, or they've made some very declarative statements about romance. So I have one Leo who said, I'm going to find my soulmate this year. I had another Leo that said, I have to let a relationship go that, you know, right. they had been holding on to for a long time, but they realized it wasn't healthy. They are worth more. So I do think it puts a big focus on who you're in partnership with both sexually and professionally. Yeah. And I like what you said, you covered both sides of it, meaning I'm falling in love or now I realize this isn't the relationship it needs to be. You become aware of how influenced you are by certain people. And certain people you're with and they, you know, kind of open up your brain and you're excited and you're motivated and and other people you feel down and controlled. You're reading that really well, uh, Leo's under this energy. So you really, it's it's pretty easy, I want to say from the viewpoint of just listen to your gut, what it's saying about relationships. Good time for Leo's to, to start being seen, to be more sociable. For Aquarius or Aquarius rising, uh, I think you're reconsidering your identity, uh, mm-hmm. you're reconsidering your body, mm-hmm. and you might experience more situations where you have to kind of stick up for yourself or where you're being painted, I'm going to say, as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a corporate quality to this as well. So Aquarians might find themselves aligning more with corporate corporations for some reason, or uh, finding themselves, setting themselves up like a corporation, like wanting to incorporate themselves. You know, the thing is, they're seeing themselves as larger, bigger, stronger, having more influence. So therefore you might be doing something that is a little more sophisticated, something that normally, let's just say an entrepreneur would not do, or an individual may not do. So they may go out and incorporate you know, something that they have going on. So it's just interesting that they start using that language of power. Yeah. To share a personal story, I won't go into too many details, Mm -hmm. but for my birthday this year, I received a card in the mail uh, with a pamphlet about how to be a Christian. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to me, I took it as happy birthday, (laughs) be a better person. Um, I took it, you know, I, I took it as like, they were saying that I wasn't good enough. Right. Yeah. Um, And I don't openly really speak about religion unless you're pretty close to me, but I was raised with a religious background. So I took great offense to it. And I think maybe two years ago or 10 years ago, I would have just thrown it away and kind of bottled it up inside and been like, what the heck, you know, Mm -hmm. in this case, I decided to pick up the phone and call the person and confront them and like stick up for who I am and like what my identity is. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, that's just an example where people from the outside, well, now people know it because I just said it, but right. unless you were in my close circle, you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. Um, but 
that's, it's just a very simple example of having to stand up for yourself and saying like, I'm going to own it. I'm not going to hide anymore who I am. That's the idea of being stronger, bigger on some level. It's like throwing a big cloak over your shoulders and all of a sudden you look like you, it looks like you're larger in presence. You're taking more of a stance on things. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great example. I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but it was, it was a, it was like going to the gym and strengthening a muscle. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. For Virgos or Virgo rising, uh, this is highlighting the sixth house. Mm-hmm. So there should be a big focus on work. How do you serve? Um, this can, of course, because of the work, the work piece, it could even change the way that you can interact with children. Mm-hmm. So one Virgo that I'm thinking of uh, returned to like a nine to five type position after being self-employed for a long time, oh. you know, and it has really impacted the way that she can serve those around her. Sure. Of course, she's serving different people because she's serving at work, but she's not able to play that same role uh, within the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the thing about the Virgo is, well, it can bring out their nature child. It can bring out a very a strong interest in anything related to the yard or landscaping or planting something, or even in, uh, we have a good friend uh, who is, uh, you know, removing turf to save water. You know, I should say removing lawn, installing turf, you know, to save water. So there is a very... Uh, uh, earthy energy associated with Virgos and wanting to, you know, uh, grow something or to maintain, conserve. Yeah. Also puts a big focus on healthcare. So you could be reconsidering, is this diet good for me? Is this ingredient good for me? Is this doctor where I should be going? So there can be some reconsideration as well about how the body's being treated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next for Pisces or Pisces rising, uh, this is aspecting the solar 12th house. Yeah, this mental, more awareness of mental health, more aware of the nuances of how, yeah, of, of people that are holding you back, people that are holding you in bondage. Again, that's strong language, but sometimes we realize we come home from an event and we realize I didn't. I didn't say one thing about myself. All I was was kind of a sponge. I took everybody else's energy in and nowhere did I focus on myself. So there's a case you kind of come home and go like, I need to, I can't be that. I can't be the punching bag anymore. Yeah. A lot of focus there. Interestingly, there's usually and can be sometimes issues in the workplace where you're not being treated well. You're being dismissed. The quality of your work is being dismissed or you literally have a bully type of situation going on in the work environment. Pisces might be reconsidering the boundaries of things, especially if the boundaries feel a little conformative or um, like suffocating. I see. So they could be saying something like, this office is too small. I feel mm-hmm. suffocated here. They mm-hmm. could say, I'm under someone that's micromanaging. There's, I would think they're trying to figure out, is it time to break out? Right. Yes. For Libras or labor rising, this is highlighting the fifth house. And so there is a big focus for them on maybe uh, children reconsidering their legacy or putting much more focus on creativity. Yeah. 
it's a big money one as well. I swear it. Libras are rethinking their money at this point, rethinking uh, their investment, their savings, uh, just how they spend their money. There's no question. Again, that that's a uh, that fifth house gets into that idea of you know wanting to have splurge. Let's splurge, but okay. Now what am I going to give up in exchange for? So there's a rebalancing going on and how money is being spent for Libras. Yeah. Um, one other thing for Libras is they could be like getting new headshots or something. Cause I think they they want to be seen in a different, a new light. Well, yeah. Something. It's part of that legacy. Yeah. I want a good shot. Yeah. yeah. A legacy. And oh, then, you know what? And also it's a good time because we know uh, Tyler's up for an award on something and a big, a big, be a national award and having to put his, having to put his whole presentation together to sell himself. Again, his legacy, even though he's relatively young, he's putting together, this is what I've contributed. This is the impact I have. Yeah. The last one we'll talk about is Aries or Aries Rising. Uh, so this is aspecting that solar 11th house. And so they're probably rethinking the group. Oh, oh yeah. Where do I belong? Um, and there could be some pressures to like, do they need to conform to the new group? Or maybe there's pressure like, oh, you can't leave. We love you here. You're one of us. This can come into family matters as well. Feeling, you know, again, the concern of elders, concern of the family, the lifestyle, something happening that kind of gives it a jolt, so to speak, like time is passing, you know, that not everyone can stay together at all the time. Sometimes uh, people move away, people quit, people, you know, aren't your friend anymore. So there's a big redefinition there. I, I would like to think that Aries are finding a, a little higher vibration group in their life. Absolutely. Um, also Aries, they could be doing some medical intervention as well, just because that's how we started today off with, uh, yes. the 11th house with technology, with medical intervention or addressing some taboo topics, uh, within their life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So that finishes off all 12 of the signs today. And, um, our topic on Pluto moving into Aquarius so again, these stories are not over. However, no, just because, just yeah, this is going to be about a 20 something year energy. I think when it's all said and done, yes. uh, so yes. we're 60 days in or something at this point, Th that's why it feels so strong. And Pluto does rule the collective. So that's very possible why you might feel like, oh my gosh, everyone I'm talking to is going through something major. It does affect mm -hmm. us all, but hopefully we gave you some insight on maybe how you're feeling it on a very personal level. Right. So with that said, that concludes everything for today. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the mom and me astrology podcast to keep in touch, follow us on social media at the underscore Kate wind. And to see a list of our services and our store, you can visit our websites at thekatewind.com or maryswick.com. We'll talk to you next week.